0: Chapter 5, Lord willing, in these next weeks, on Sunday morning, we will be um, dealing with some truth out of the passage that we had studied the previous week. So, um, last week, we studied a survey of the book of Peter. And as we get in and look at the book of Peter, Peter really helps the believers in the midst of some very difficult trying times to step back and see the big picture. This morning, we want to step back and see the big picture of our faith in Christ and not everything that we look at will be taken this morning from Peter. But our goal is for us to step back and see the big picture. You know, often we can get so, so entrenched in our responsibilities and our, our duties and the, just the activities of life, the, the necessary things of life. That it's easy for us to forget. Wait a minute. What is my purpose here? Why? Why am I even doing this? And and it is necessary for us to um, successfully navigate in this foreign land that we see the big picture, that we understand. Oh, okay. I am I am a piece in this much larger puzzle, and it is very important that I do my part, but it's not just about my part. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter's summing up this letter, and he says, beginning in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit given to guide us into truth. And Lord, I, I ask that you would help us to see things from your perspective this morning. Lord, I have no idea the details and intricacies that individuals here this morning are facing in life. Lord, from a broad spectrum, I'm sure, from greatly burdened to greatly joyous. And yet, Lord, you know every need, every detail. And I just ask that your spirit would personally minister in each heart. And, Lord, that these truths not only would would, um, help correct our course, not only help encourage our hearts today, but, Lord, to do that until we come again, until you come again. So, Lord, I pray that we would know your mind in a little greater sense today, as we look to you, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there are four questions that um, I first heard these from Ravi Zacharias, and I think he may uh modified them a little bit from C.S. Lewis. I'm not sure. But the four questions are... That mankind has to answer in his life, where did I come from? Why am I here? How do I determine right and wrong? And where am I going? And without going into great detail, only Christianity can comprehensively answer all of those questions with answers that fit together and that, that truly answer all four of those questions, <clears throat> dealing with our origins, dealing with meaning, why am I here, morality, how do I determine right and wrong, and with eternity, where am i going and and really those are some big picture questions and many in our society today try to answer them in one way or another and uh, or maybe they just try to ignore them but those are those are key questions that individually we have to come to that this is how I answer these, and someday how we answer them will be um, have eternal consequences. Peter was writing to believers that um, individuals that had already come to place their faith and trust, he was writing to believers, <clears throat> and... Throughout this, he reminds them of a number of truths that are the big picture, that he wants them to step back and see. I mean, the things that we deal with day to day pale in comparison to what the recipients of this letter dealt with day to day. How am I going to feed my family was Undoubtedly, a a big issue to them because for the sake of the gospel, they were ostracized and, and it was difficult for them to find work. But Peter didn't give them a bunch of practical, this is how to survive. He reminded them of some big picture issues. And we want to go through and, and remind ourselves today of some big picture issues. Number one, salvation is all God's doing. We are saved, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And, and as you get in and look at Peter, he's going to be dealing with salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. None of us will be able to boast of anything when we are in heaven. Wow, I was smart enough to respond to the gospel. No, we have nothing with which we can boast. Not of works lest any man should boast. No one is going to be able to say, Wow, God got me started, but I, I kept in the faith myself and, and I finished it. No, it is all of God. And, and we sang our great Savior. I mean, we need to understand how helpless we were. We were dead spiritually. And it is God's Spirit that visited us. And <clears throat> and all of salvation is a work of God. The calling upon God, it wasn't like we had this brilliant idea, I need to call upon God. The Spirit of God had to open our understanding. So for us to even think, wow, you know, that we have anything to glory in apart from the work of Christ is utter foolishness. And to think that we that have trusted Christ as Savior must be more favored or wiser or more logical or whatever than those that have not trusted Christ. God God did not choose us as the first-round draft choice, so to speak. It wasn't like he said, Wow, there's somebody that I can really use. God created us all to fellowship with him, and, and he provides for the reconciliation. But the reconciliation is all of God. And as you get in and read in First Peter, you'll read his reminding us of the greatness of our salvation. So, once we have trusted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, then we need to realize that God is at work to make me like Christ. So he gives me spiritual life, and now God has begun a good work in me. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That God who began a good work in you will perform that work until the day of Jesus Christ. So God began a work and he's going to keep working that work in our life. To form us to God's image. It. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So here we are. We're living our life. And every event that God allows into our life, God desires to use it to shape us to his image. You may look back over your life and there may be some things that you look back with delight and other things that you look back with regrets. But whatever has been in your life, God desires to use it to make us more like Christ and to use it for His glory. And whatever right now you may be experiencing, You can rest in the fact. You may look at it and say, this does not make any sense. But I step back and I see the big picture. God is at work in my life to make me like Christ. So, God, how do you want this to be used to make me like your son? I mean, this is the big picture. I mean... These that Peter was writing to, all that was going on in their life, the same purpose God had for them. Romans 8.29, that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8.29 comes right after 8.28. Write that down in your notes. That's profound, okay? But we quote Romans 8.28, God is able to make all things work together for good. What is God's good? Verse 29, he has predetermined that we should be conformed to the image of his Son. So whether that was your initial purpose or not, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were put on the conveyor belt of God's working in your life to make you like Christ. We need to chip this out of your life. We need to file this down. We need to put this into your life. And he is using all these things in our lives. And we can be confident of that. God is at work to make me like Christ. That's the big picture. Thirdly, we need to understand that everything of this life will disappear we can get so wrapped up in the things of this life, what we need to fix and what we need to repair, and, and I need to do this, and oh, this needs my attention, and, and we need to be good stewards. But our purpose in life is not to accumulate things here. Understand, everything in this life that you see 1 Corinthians 4.18, the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. I mean, the reality of that. Your life does not consist of, of your home and your hobbies and your family and your life. There's going to come a day... When all that you have will be what is the spiritual, the eternal. And understanding, seeing the big picture should help us to be more effective in our life here. That the things here aren't going to blow us out of the water, so to speak. Sure, I need to take care of the things here. But... Understand what they are. Turn to Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Notice verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, "...seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of the Lord? Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? Seeing that all these things will disappear... It ought to rearrange our priorities. We sang this morning, um, make me a stranger. Make me a stranger on earth, dear Savior. Make me a stranger more like Thee. Help me to keep my focus on heavenly treasures and not on earthly things, may it be. Notice how it brings that out. Lord, I found myself loving earthly treasures, simple pleasures, taking Your place. Nothing can measure to heavenly treasures, hearing well done and seeing your face. See, it's too easy for us to get caught up in the same (coughs) thing that the world is in, that their life begins and ends right here. Ours is much more than that as believers'. And, and in understanding the brevity of this life and the temporalness of this life. So, again, the big picture. Salvation is all God's doing. God is at work to make me like Christ. Everything of this life will disappear. And fourthly, it is all about God's kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we really valued, hallowed God's name, we would invest in his kingdom and establishing his kingdom his ruling first of all in our own life we have jurisdiction over that and then to use our life to help others come to know his ruling in their life it is not about me it is not about my dreams and my ad, ad ambitions it is not about what what I want to accomplish it's about God's kingdom our our names are nothing I mean most of us our family heritage we can't go back much past our grandparents let alone our great grandparents and if we do we still don't even know much about them and the point is not to know much about them the point is we're passing a short time on this stage of life and it is to be used to as an instrument of God's kingdom. It's not about me. We talked this morning in Sunday school about meekness. Meekness is the opposite of meanness. Me it, it, we build our life around me. It is about God. God if if you will be glorified through allowing this to come into my life, so be it. Peter was a martyr. If God is glorified through that, so be it. It's about God's kingdom. I I love America. I value our godly heritage. I desire to see us to return to those ways. But ultimately, it is not about America. It is about God's kingdom. And in understanding that and, and realizing that God has put us here and we're a part of something way bigger than our family or way bigger than Iowa, Or the U.S. or the U.N. or anything else. This is God's kingdom that we're involved in. And God, I am just so excited to be a part of your kingdom. If you can use me in a little way, what a joy it is to see the big picture. And we need to step back. Number five. We need to understand that trials are temporary and for my good. There are some trials <clears throat> that are almost lifelong, but in the big picture, they're temporary. and therefore are good. Paul prayed. God, would you remove this thorn in the flesh, this trial in my life? And we don't know exactly what it is, a lot of speculation. And he persisted in prayer. 3 times he prayed and said, "God, would you remove this?" And and God said, "No, I'm not going to remove it." But Paul saw the big picture that Okay, if God is leaving this in my life, he leaves it here because it's going to produce good. So I am going to glory because it is going to produce good. I am going (coughs) to rejoice because I know God is at work in me. And there will come a day when this trial will be over. It may not be till I die. But if the trial ceases to be for our good, God will remove it. Or when it has accomplished his purposes. So if he hasn't removed it, you know there's still good in it. I mean, sometimes you've got to squeeze all the good out of it you can. I, I love this time of year. In part because you get fresh grapefruit. And I love a cold, juicy grapefruit eating that thing. And I I cut it up, cut it in half, cut it up, dig all the pieces out with the spoon. Then I scrape all the stuff out that I can get out. And then I take that thing and I squeeze every last drop of grapefruit juice out of that, because I love it, and it's way better than kale. <laughs> there's times in our life that with the trial, God is scraping, the, there's still good that can come out of this, and he's scraping it. And there's times you may feel like he is squeezing you. Because the trial, he says, there's still some something I want to produce. And honestly, um, every one of us have different trials in our life. And don't get caught up comparing your trial with someone else's trial. Number one, you don't know what their trial is. But step back and say, God, thank you that someday this trial it doesn't mean you have to yoohoo i'm so happy for this trial send another one just like it no he reminds us these will come to an end he reminded the churches of revelation there is going to the hour of your suffering will end meaning there's a there's a limit there and the trials <coughs> will end They are temporary. The old song, soon all the troubles of the world be o'er. Amen. And they will. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world, and these trials are temporal and therefore are good. Another truth that we need to just keep moving on, that we need to step back and see the big picture. (coughs) Truth will prevail. I tell you what, um, we need to rest our souls in that. I, not just politically. But I tell you what, there is so much garbage and so much stuff that's gone on that you think, How do they get by with this? They ought to be locked up or worse. And in life, many of you have been done wrong, and it's like, whoa, they lied about me and, and got by with it. And Step back. Truth will prevail. The truth will be known. And the next point, we'll put them together, justice will be brought. There are a lot of reasons, but one reason I believe in eternity is because in this world there is not justice and God is a just God and God will bring justice. And I can trust God. I need to I need to step back and understand <clears throat> people, you know, gripes me. It's like every Especially when you go out west, is where I really notice it. Every national forest or Bryce Canyon or whatever you go to, as you can see, this is fifty million years old. You know, I, I'm tempted to take a can of spray paint and paint over it. Lie, you know, I, I haven't done it. Don't worry, I, I'm not planning. But and all these lies that. That people just believe truth will be known. And truth will prevail. His truth is marching on and nothing is going to stop it. And and there's times we need to step back and say, man, oh man, I'm just resting in the fact that truth will prevail. And in your personal life, there are times that you need to just come back and say, this isn't right, and if only people knew, but I rest in the fact. God, I don't even know all the facts, but I know you will bring justice. And Peter, as with the other epistles, really emphasizes this last point, the future of a believer. Is wonderful. I mean, the best is yet to come. We have an inheritance, Peter said, that is incorruptible and undefiled <coughs> and does not fade away. I mean, wow, think of that. And our future is, is brilliantly wonderful. Our future is freedom from the curse of sin. No more death, no more disease, no more dying, no more night. What a joy. That is guaranteed. And there's times we need, in the midst of this life, we need to step back and say, man, it is like all hell is breaking loose here in this world, but I know... There's coming a day, and we need to remind ourselves how soon that may be. And there's coming a day, and it is a guaranteed place of joy that there will be nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that we miss. I mean, not a thing. I am not going to be saying, "Man, I wish I could get some chocolate up here," because it's going to be there. No, I'm just kidding. We 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 sometimes get the idea that we're going to be longing for. Th- no, we we can't even comprehend the greatness of heaven. There is nothing in this world that we will be longing for. And and this is guaranteed. And in the midst. And I know we're all in the battle, and it gets wearying. But in the midst of these, you need to come back, and you need to remind yourselves, and there are many other truths, we just, time limits us to these. But to remind yourself, you know what? My future is wonderful. I mean, honestly, humanly speaking, our future isn't so wonderful, is it? Hair falls out, teeth fall out, can't move your limbs, end up in a diaper and not somebody else feeding you. You know what I mean? I mean, if you don't believe it, go out to the nursing home and see. And I don't say that despairingly. Humanly speaking, there's not a great future. But spiritually speaking, we have a wonderful future. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I mean, you think of you think of loved ones, <coughs> fellow brothers and sisters that not too long ago were sitting right here and are with the Lord today. Do you think they're saying, Man, I wish I was back there and shared in Grace Baptist? No way. I hope they're up there saying, When you going, Lord? When you blowing the trumpet? That's our future, and we need to live with the reality of that. We need to live that, um, in just a moment, we're going to sing the song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it (coughs) to know that trials are temporal and God is at work in my life for his good and his glory. What a joy it is. So if you're here today as a believer I say to you, do you need to step back and see the big picture? Have you gotten so entrenched in life and the battles that you're, you're maybe losing hope and, and getting kind of grouchy and irritable? Wait a minute. Step back and see the big picture. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not guaranteed that my future is wonderful because I have never trusted Christ. In fact, if you have never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, your future is horrible. We can't, even, we can't even mention to be separated from God eternally in the lake of fire, forever and ever, the torments. We cannot even imagine it. But God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have the wonderful, everlasting life. Heavenly Father, I pray that hearts would be encouraged today (coughs) as we see a, a little bigger picture than we're normally living in. And, Lord, I pray that hearts would be encouraged to pursue you with all our heart and soul and mind. (coughs) And I pray that we would be committed to your kingdom, ruling our own hearts and using us to introduce others to your kingdom. Lord, perhaps those that are in the midst of a deep and grievous trial right now, Lord, would you encourage them to know that it will be worth it all when we see you. Encourage them to be strong in the faith, and Lord, show them that your grace is sufficient. Thank you for this great salvation. And thank you that we can see the whole picture from your perspective and rejoice in the victory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.